And welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. The lockout is over, and baseball players are actually like playing catch in Arizona and Florida, and all showing up with uh, new injuries that their teams didn't know they had. And uh, joining me is uh, my old friend and MLB writer for Bally Sports, Dave Brown. Dave, how are you? Hi, Andy. I'm doing fine. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to, good to talk. And I can see you. No one else can see you, but... But oh, I can see it. So okay. it's nice to see you. I feel better, I guess. <laughs> Sorry that you did all that, that you did all that makeup. And no one's yeah, gonna see it but me. But I I appreciate it. Really. I, I put like... on a shirt. That's really all I did. And I didn't even button it all the way. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, when the lockout ended, we were all teased with uh oh, there's just the the forty eight hours after the lockout are gonna be crazy. There's just gonna be deals. Right. It's just the owners are gonna be throwing all their all the new money around. Like it's just gonna go crazy. And then we all kind of sat around, and uh, Carlos Rodon got paid, and then nobody else for quite a while. And now things are starting Picking up to happen. Um, were you surprised that? See, I shall ask you this. I was sure that during the lockout, when teams were not supposed to be talking to agents, the teams were talking to agents. And that when the first few hours passed, it was kind of like, all right, we can't just spring this deal. Lockout ends at 6 o'clock. 6.04, we can't announce that you have an eight-year contract. So we'll just wait a few hours. To make it look good. Yeah, either they're really good at this, or if they were talking to each other, they were mostly yelling at each other. (laughs) That's not enough. What? Of course it is. So were you surprised there wasn't more stuff that just kind of happened right away? I was thinking the same way that you were. Maybe it's just because we're too cynical in life. But I thought, yeah, there's all kinds of under the table and 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 maybe there was uh, talking. Um, so yeah, we even not only did did they say like, oh, it's going to be crazy when the lockout ends, but people were giving examples of you know I know six deals that have been done already. These so-called insiders and and again maybe they're not lying, but it didn't seem like we were getting that many announcements. So yeah, uh, it's been, I would say it, it, I mean, it hasn't been nothing, but it, it's been a steady stream and it has not been like an avalanche of deals. Yeah. Kind of like how we were thinking. Yeah. I mean, most of the deals have involved Isaiah Kiner Falefa. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's, that's <laughs> Isaiah's like, All right, where am I going today? Uh, today it's Minnesota. Tomorrow you can go to the Bronx and you're gonna have to shave. I didn't think it was, I got a little confused in the flurry and there was the picture of him shaving mm-hmm. and I thought, and for a minute I thought it was the opposite, that he had started with the Yankees and gone to the Twins, like, oh, that's got to suck. He spent all that time on the beard, he shaved it and four hours later he had to move, but it was the opposite. Right. Someone I'm sure assured him, you know, you really, you're going to stay, you can shave. That's uh, I, not, you know, I, I, I'm in danger of always going off on tangents, but I, it's it's like the, the guy looked fine with a beard. There's mm-hmm. no reason that anybody should think that that beard, based on yeah. the kind of hair that we've had here in the past 50 years, uh, was going to be a problem. It's a, it's a strange rule for me well, still. Yeah, I don't, I don't get why that's a thing. And I honestly thought it would just kind of die with George. It was clear. It was a Steinbrenner thing. Right. And when he died, I was, you know, I don't know Hank and Hal. Uh, surprisingly, I don't know Hank or Hal Steinbrenner, but I just assumed that they would be like, eh, fine, don't, you know, grow what you want. But clearly, they don't seem like the kind of people that you would hang out with. No, maybe Hank. I don't know. I mean, he's no longer with us, but <laughs> oh, he was a guy. He, he that's could, right. You know, he he lived a little bit. He lived a little harder than Hal does. Apparently, right? Too hard. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but you're right. It's funny that uh, Isaiah kind of Falefa has more names than people, you know, other people, and he's also been in more deals than any other player. It's like, you know, kind of. Uh, I'm trying to make a joke about how he's got three names, but it, he's uh, he's been, it's 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 too bad that uh, you know what's really too bad to make it personal. I wrote like an entire analysis that maybe a couple dozen people saw read. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, the Twins are doing this to, so they can get this really good defensive shortstop, and that's why they traded the big slugger and blah blah blah. And then it's like, no, it's not. The next day, that's not true at all, Dave. No, they they, tra- do- they trade him for a catcher who can't catch. No, and is proud of it. I'm yes, sure. Right. 
Uh, yeah, Gary a, Sanchez is. Yeah. Well, I think I think he's going to be like a slug. He's going to play a DH and and hit. You know, so I think that's they have another catcher, a young guy. I wrote about all this too. Um, Ryan Jeffers, who's you know a good prospect and should play every day and and will. So I mean, it, it I get I get that, but it's like. I don't know why they couldn't have just. Well, I mean, I know why because they wanted to trade Josh Donaldson's money yes. bag. You right. know, that's presumably to go after Trevor Story, or you know, we've been talking about this avalanche of moves that haven't happened. Trevor Story's still out there, and to to get a player like that, it, it w- would cost a lot of money. And that you know, Josh Donaldson was heavily salaried, and that's why they wanted to do the whole thing. But I'm still bitter because I had to write all that stuff about. It how they got this great defensive shortstop and he's gone now. Yeah. So yeah. Couldn't they at least waited a couple of days before they made the second trade. Right. Let the post get up, let the people enjoy it. And then that's fine. You can undo it, but not, right. not right away. It did seem a little uh, ridiculous, but I don't want to seem like a complaining writer, so I'm not going to complain. Okay, good. Much. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, so the, the Yankees. So now if they have Donaldson at third and Kiner Falefa, I just like to say it. How would Ralph Kiner have said Kiner Falefa? Because Falefa, I don't know that he would have got Kiner right, but I know he wouldn't have gotten Falefa right. And it's funny because I haven't seen proof of this, but I've heard that they are related. Oh, well, good. So they, they're, uh, you know, I think they're cousins of some kind, uh, not in the Patty Duke sense, but, <laughs> you know, like fifth cousins, maybe more in the, um, I can't think of a good analogy, but. Yeah, there's some they're the kinder that means something. They're both kinders, like the same kind of kinder. Well, there you go. And then presumably Glaber Torres at second base and DJ LeMayhew at first, but they still have Luke Voigt. And then they're all and then people are like, "Oh, they're just going to get they'll bring Rizzo back now." It's like, right. "What are they are they going to play on top of each other at first base?" I mean, they've got one thing the Yankees have is a lot of DH types. I don't think they need to uh, to go out and fix a spot, and I don't know about that playing on top of each other thing with the way the shift is. I don't know is that still legal? <laughs> I don't. One of them has to have their foot on the other side of second base. A twister. And I don't know if Luke Voigt and Anthony Rizzo, who's the bottom? <laughs> I mean, that is that's business. two. That's two sturdy boys there. I don't think you'd want. And with Rizzo's back, there's no chance. That's that's not going to work. Uh, Voight seems more like a base. I'm thinking of it in yeah, he's uh, like kind of square. Terms. Yes, yeah. If he was on it's your cheer, if he was on your cheer team, he would definitely be uh, on all fours with people standing on him. Yeah, um, you know they wanted Freddie Freeman. He hasn't signed. I've been putting the kids to bed. He hasn't signed with the Dodgers or anything, has he? He has not. No. You know they apparently were interested. The Yankees were interested in him, but they're not going to pay him. You know, the, the Yankees say they're interested in people. That's the thing about the Yankees. Speaking of not having George alive anymore, you know, they, they go to the, the precipice, but they don't stand yeah. anywhere near like George did. I mean, obviously, they George went out of control a little bit there at times, but I mean, the Yankees don't even get into the luxury tax, which is, uh, I think, nope. against the point of it. I think right. they were supposed to, so the Pirates could compete with that money, with that taxable income. Well, and then when they do... They, because they did it, and then they immediately they dumped a bunch of players to get out of it because they didn't want to repeat. Because oh god, the repeater penalties—that right. would be the worst. I wonder how jealous uh, George would be that Steve Cohen got the fourth uh, CBT threshold named after him. <laughs> that would not George would not like that at all. They'd have had to add a fifth just for George. Oh boy, yeah, he's he's steaming right now down there or wherever he is, but. Um... Yeah, that's, you know, the Mets are the fair-haired boys right now, you know, with the, with Cohen spending some money and uh, Jacob deGrom's elbow hasn't blown up yet and they got Max Scherzer in town. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's more fun to be with the Mets these days than the Yankees. The Yankees are just kind of, you know, can they hold on to third place, you know, in the AL East? That's yeah. pretty much where they're at right now. I mean, the Scherzer thing, I mean, just given his age – I mean, clearly he's a, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher, but the last we saw him, uh, you know, he came in to pitch game five. He came in relief in game five against the Giants. He did. And was throwing like 85 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, uh, thanks to uh, 
um, uh, why can't am I blanking on his first name? The guy who Chuck swung, our buddy um, Wilton Ramos. Uh, Wilton Ramos, yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't have to actually throw a strike to get him out to end it. Then pitched in the uh, NLCS and was also throwing 85 miles an hour. And then the um, the Mets gave him $90 million. I don't know that I, I don't know that I could have done that, but well, I think I'm sure they, he'll be uh, fine because he's Max. But still, I'd be a little concerned. Well, you mentioned his age, and you know, at some point, the the well runs dry, and there's something to be concerned about there. I well, would and, say, you know, it's the thing about getting a guy after he's been a rental. I mean, once the the Dodgers got him, and they knew they were only going to have him for two months, and right. Max is not a guy you need to convince to throw. Right. So he just threw and threw and threw. <laughs> and the Dodgers are like, okay, his arm flies off, you know, while he's on the mound. That'll be fine. We already got, we got what we need out of him. Um, yeah. Well, so the I, lesson, the, the, I guess, that you learn in the, in the, in the long haul is don't, uh, when you shorten up his rest, that's really when he started right. to. Right. And it's, it's understandable given his, you know, he's pitched forever. Yeah. Uh, Cub fans remember him coming in on short rest in game five of the 2017 NLDS in the most ridiculous inning ever played in an NLDS where the Cubs <laughs> scored like seven runs on two hits. There was a catcher's interference and uh, a balk and an error. It was every, anything that could have happened. I remember the old, there's seven ways to reach first base. Do you remember that? That was like a quiz. Yeah. The Cubs reached base all seven ways. I know that, the riddle, yeah. Yeah. The Cubs did it all in that inning against Max. And the Nats went from a lead to a deficit that they never made up. Right. So, you know, Cub fans were all excited because um, we're morons after the lockout. And it's like, you know what? Maybe they really are going to sign Carlos Correa. And then, you know, the second day of free agency, there's the alert. Cubs sign shortstop and Simmons. So, okay. What... Uh, what are we doing here? Was like the first question that I had to ask. I mean, I get it on its, on its face that you have a pitching staff. That's not going to strike a lot of guys out. It makes sense to have a shortstop that can make all of the plays. But on the other hand, you also have, uh, I don't know if the Cubs have noticed, but their offense is really super terrible. And Andrelton only adds to the super terribleness of the offense. Yeah. Um, and then there it's... was a few. There was a few years ago where I thought this was a story that I, I don't know that I ever finished. And that happens sometimes, but um, where I was researching him, and I thought he was, you know, reg- he's been regarded as maybe the best shortstop ever by some people. Yeah. Um, and he was improving his hitting a little bit, like sort of like. Omar Vizquel did in the middle of his career and Ozzie Smith did when he went to the Cardinals. And it was like, well, can Anderson Simmons, you know, sort of parlay this defensive reputation with a little bit with like average major league hitting, which he was doing, but that was a peak that did not last. Right. I mean, he's not been last two or three years. He's not, he's not been vaxxed and he's not been hitting. Yes. So and not just not been vaxxed. He, he likes to go on Twitter and talk about it. <laughs> He's proud, of, he's proud of his non-vaxxers. And, and uh, retweet uh, RFK Jr., which is always... That's a funny alliance. Um, yeah, there were there were two seasons with the Angels where he was... The only two seasons where he's been an above-average hitter. And, yeah, you're right. It just... It was, a, it was a peak, and we're on the other side of that peak. Right. And that would be fine if you surrounded him with guys who could hit. Right. And he was, was like, just make all the plays, bail out our, you know, our our pitchers are going to give up lots of ground balls. You need to scoop them all up. But when you've got an outfield that, I mean, it's, it, I don't know if you've taken a look at the Cub outfield. It's it's a little bleak. And you kind of think who's out there right now. They I know are. Ken Wooden retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's Jerry Morales. <laughs> and Steve Henderson, and no, that's not right. Uh, so Ian, Ian Happ, who just had elbow surgery, right, and I might not be able to actually throw a baseball in the air um, 
until like June. And Jason Hayward, who of course should not be allowed anywhere near a bat. And uh, Rafael Ortega. Oh yeah, who, who I might had him on honestly be their while, best hitting outfielder. <laughs> Clint Frazier, who this oh. ties in perfectly. Clint has decided now that he's not a Yankee. He's growing a beard. It's not going well. In fact, I when I saw a, uh, a shot of Clint with the with the new beard, I thought maybe the Cubs should quickly uh, adopt the Yankee rule <laughs> just to save him. <laughs> he looks like he's his face got wet and he fell down in a barber shop. <laughs> it's like, all right, is it? That's I think Clint. Is that stuff supposed to connect? What is? <laughs> and so it's not like. Uh... Oh, you know that um, that Rankin Bass Santa Claus show with <laughs> right. It's like really full red. Yeah, no, that's red. that's not. Maybe it'll get there someday, but uh, the early returns are not promising for Clint Frazier's. Well, uh, I mean, beard. facial hair aside, I'm glad he's getting a chance. Well, I mean, he kind of got a chance to play every day last year, and it didn't work. But let's just hope that that is, uh, you know, not being able to cut it as a Yankee and pressure and all that crap he he picked a good spot there are bats to be had on the yes cups. yes so he will not if he if it doesn't work it won't be for lack of opportunity <laughs> uh which is good and then of course the cubs offense is is anchored by the uh 30 30 year old uh second year players patrick Lindo <laughs> and frank schwindel nice. Schwindel and uh oh, who's over at the p p uh, whiz patrick wisdom that's right. Wisdom. Patrick, who uh, set the Cubs rookie record for home runs with 28. He broke Chris Bryant's record. He's currently, and will always be, older than Chris Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Sure, for most of those home runs, Bryant was standing like behind him in left field going, oh. <laughs> That guy's going to break my like record? A million strikeouts. I'm not exaggerating either. It was a million. Yeah. He's... uh. His second half was a little, uh, he struck out about 40% of the time. Is that a lot? It seems That's, like a lot. Yes, that is a lot. That is too much. Yes, that is too much. Even in these times. Because it's funny because he is, um, other than his one thing he's really terrible at, which is making contact, he's actually a pretty good baseball player. Like, he's uh-huh. an excellent defensive third baseman. Right. And uh, he hit the ball, you know, 800 feet. But there's a lot of, uh, uh, if if you throw him a pitch on the a middle in, you should immediately the the manager should come out with a suitcase and just <laughs> tell you to go get on the bus because you throw it anywhere else and he's out. Right. So that's a problem. And then we don't know what to make of Frank Schwindel. Um, he he was always a pretty good hitter in the minor leagues, like a guy who you look yeah, at the right. minor league stats, like how come this guy's never gotten a chance? And he got his chance with the Cubs, and for two months he was. <laughs> You know, he he was right-handed Ted Williams. And you just, we've seen enough baseball to know what that means is he basically used all of his hits up in two months. <laughs> right. And things aren't going to go well. Uh, you we get an allotment, and that's, you know, once you use it up, you're done. Yes. And so <clears throat> I looked this up because I was trying to figure out who, statistically, who this reminded me of. And I did all the usual suspects. Uh, Cub fans immediately go to Brian LaHare. You remember Brian was yeah. was a uh, was an all star for the Cubs in the final season he ever played in the big leagues. <laughs> he wow. was he was an all star by the all star game. He had already lost his job to Anthony Rizzo at first base <laughs> and was f- floundering around in right field, uh, and then ended up in either Japan or Korea. I forget which. Somebody should probably check on him see if he's still there. Uh, but the most apt one I could come up with was a Kansas City Royal, Bob Hamlin. Oh, man. Who, for almost the exact amount of at-bats as Frank had in the second half, was that super hot in the first half of his rookie season when he won Rookie of the Year. And then the old stats from then on went boom. Oh, man. He was uh, he was a good old boy. He was a large man. Yeah, he, he walked. He uh, hit home runs. And that he had the glasses. And you're right. It was like it was over almost as soon as it began. Do you think if it was if it was today that him and Charlie Kerfeld could play like an elaborate <laughs> prank where they could pretend they're like the redneck Shohei and they would just pretend they're the same guy 
And Charlie <laughs> would pitch and Bob would hit and they would just he'd be like, this guy's amazing. I was not expecting to say redneck Shohei. That surprised me. <laughs> I got a visual of like the like a baseball Hanson brothers and then you throw redneck Shohei at me. Yeah, there's Shohei and then I got putting on the foil <laughs> right before his advance. I would be for you know, could they pull it off? No, not for long, but no. But even for like a day it would be fun. Right. If they got away Charlie with it for like an afternoon, it'd be worth it. We need more Charlie Kerfels. I don't know. There aren't too many personalities. You know, now we got Anderson Simmons. We got like Max tonight. Yeah, we got the wrong. There's personality there, just not the kind you want to actually have right. to pay any attention to. Uh, so our, our our old friend Joe Madden, who I don't know if you know this, he he won a World Series managing the Cubs. Um, <laughs> he's in a familiar spot where he's in the final year of his contract, and his general manager is basically like, "Yeah, Joe, we don't need to we don't need to discuss this yet. Everything will be fine." <laughs> but he had an eventful opening press conference in which he basically said, yeah, I think it's probably time for Mike Trout to go play uh, one of the corner outfield spots. And then yeah. by the end of the press conference was like, no, 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 he's our center fielder. He's going Perry. Is it Perry Manassi? And I always want to call him Perry Mason. Was he, <laughs> do you think he was like standing behind the media in the dugout going, you know, like <laughs> making like a fish symbol and pointing to center field? Well, call him whatever you want. Perry Mason or Perry Manasian, but yeah, he's uh Perry Manasian. I think Manasian. I think you're right. I've, you know, I've only read it. It's one of those right. names I don't think I've heard. I've only well, seen I was looking it. up uh, Seiya um, Suzuki to see how you would pronounce Seiya or Seiya. Yes, as we're what as we're recording this, having dinner with Jed Hoyer. Oh wow! Yes. Hopefully, Jed could control himself. <laughs> um, I, you know. Somebody who complained, I saw Anthony Record. Do you remember Anthony Record? Oh, yeah, of course. He's on Twitter, and he's funny sometimes. And uh, he was like, I want him to stay away from the Cubs because they're they're never going to win, and uh, you know it's going to be like uh, Shohei or whatever. They're not going to go to the playoffs, and he's going to come all the way over here and lose. And I mean, I can see that point, whatever. But, you know, we the Cubs are a big market team, and I would like them to spend their money on good players, even if they're not – the Cubs aren't on the verge of – going to the world series right now. I, you know, I, so I kind of disagreed, I don't know, intellectually and emotionally a little bit with that thing. I, I mean, we, you know, we, we make fun of the dinner with Jed, but um, that, I mean, that would be the, the Cubs obviously need somebody like this. Yes, they do. I don't know what the chances are. You know, I don't know if they're going to spend top dollar, but I would like them to sign him. I think that would be great. I would, I, I concur. I second that. I will urge, I urge the Ricketts to. Uh, well, do you sh- think there's any splash chance? the yen, and let's bring him over? Do I think there's what? Do you think there is a chance that that will happen? Um. Yeah, actually, I do. Okay. I think I think Jed has because they have nobody on their team. They have uh, they have Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman and a bunch of guys making uh, well now. $700,000, which I'm sure pissed Tom off, but fine. <laughs> Wait a minute, we got all these minimum salary guys, and now you're going to raise the minimum salary? Oh, what is it, like $15 an hour? No, that's your that's your dad. Your dad rails against that, Tom, and that's a completely different thing. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, in my mind, I worry that we're getting back to, like, Tribune-era Cubs, which is we ought to have two or three guys, and then maybe the rest of the team will just fall into place. Right. The, um, the Stroman thing... Is I find it very concerning. Um, they signed him for two years and an option. Um, he's he's a, he's a very good pitcher and he's a very smart guy and he's but he's he's very sensitive, and very Ooh. online sensitive. Yes. Um, he's been saying nasty things about the Mets ever since he left the Mets. And I and honestly, I know he hasn't met the Ricketts. He never met him. He signed right. three hours before the deadline. It's like, did you do any research into the people that you're now playing for? Because if you think Steve Cohen's a shit, wait until you wait until you meet the new guys. And then the fact that Cub fans on on uh, on the Twitters will not be able to contain themselves the first time he gives up seven runs in three innings. Right. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'll be I will be stunned if he's a Cub on August first. <laughs> That's soon. I think they. Wow. I would. I would not surprise me at all if they don't flip him, because then the team gets him for the stretch run in a year. 
Yeah. Um, so that that whole that whole thing worried me a little bit. I can see that. Can we prevent that him from meeting the Ricketts? <laughs> Probably. I think the only one he's he's accidentally going to run into is Tom. Um, and Tom, I think, would only talk to him if he somehow thought he was a sponsor. <laughs> Are you from Sloan? Are you the toilet flapper guy? <laughs> no, I'm your I'm your starting pitcher. Oh, are you the new Veen rep? <laughs> I forgot to take my prevention today. So, <sighs> I th- I swear I think Prevagen is trolling me on their commercials. I, the, the, the one of the first Prevagen commercials because if you get the if you get Marquee and I don't know if you get Marquee out in there in Kansas City you might. Uh yeah actually we can get okay. the app on the Roku yes. Uh, Prevagen has three commercials every half inning. And one of the first commercials was <laughs> yeah. a guy who worked for Prevagen. That came, if you listen to the commercial carefully enough, they got one of their own employees to do a testimonial. And he says, I've been taking Prevagen for, for seven or eight years. Now, this is a memory supplement. And it cracked me up that he couldn't remember for seven or eight years. They have a new one where the guy <laughs> says, I've been taking it for three or four years. It's like, what? come on. I know you're doing this just to entertain me. Um, That's really oh, funny. Now I'm going to have to watch. Yes. Oh, I want There was one more thing Joe talked about in the press conference that I found legitimately interesting because I didn't. So, um, they asked Joe about. I was. I think I'm sure it's Joe. He just brought it up himself. <laughs> Joe wants to talk about something. He finds a way to work it into the conversation. Basically, said the Angels want clarification from uh, Major League Baseball about the universal DH, because the way they think it should work now, and I don't know why it would be any different than it was before, except it's in the National League too, is that Shohei should be able to stay in the game as a DH when he comes out as a pitcher. Joe's argument is, we will be the only team playing with National League rules. Huh. Because, you know, the way it works now is if, if, you're, um, if your DH leaves the game... Or your DH goes into the. Actually, I never, never quite understood this. If your D, I guess the way they do it right now is they just they can't use the DH when Shohei pitches if they want Shohei to hit. They just punt the DH because the way it, way it works otherwise is if for whatever reason your DH has to go into the game to play a position, then yes. you lose the DH for the rest of the game. Right. Which always cracked me up because I don't remember if you remember where Chip Carey worked before the Cubs. He was the announcer for the Mariners, and the Cubs were playing a game against an American League team on the road. And they pinch hit for the DH because, you know, Cubs had, obviously had a great DH. <laughs> They're pinch hitting for him. And Chip was sure they lost the DH then. Oh, my God. Now they won't have the DH for the rest of the game. And Steve Stone, <laughs> used to correcting <laughs> Grandpa, is now like, no, actually, Chip, uh, you're allowed to pinch hit for the. You're just not allowed to play them in the field and keep the DH. But anyway, so Joe's like. We should be. Jay must have seen this broadcast probably. twenty years ago. Yes. He watched wow. it over the lockout. Um, great games in Cubs. He probably watched it on Marquee. <laughs> great games in Cubs history. It was a it was a fourteen to six loss to the Mariners. Um, <laughs> they just decided to shoot. Throw this one in. See what happens. Um, yeah, but Joe's argument is that you you should be able then show he should be able to stay in and keep DHing after we take him out. And he's basically the thing is who else is this going to affect? Nobody. So just let us do it. I have a feeling baseball's going to go, no. This is one of those things where I need to, I don't know. I, I, I did not see that part of the, or hear about that part of the press conference. I heard about the Mike Trout part, but I didn't hear. It may have actually been a separate. It may have been another okay. media availability. But he said, yeah. it, he, he said it, and I, it got me to thinking. He's kind of got a point. Well, shouldn't they, should, like you sort of said at the beginning of this when you were introducing the topic, wouldn't this have been ironed out already? Like last year with Shohei and. Well, that's and... why Joe seems to think that because he seems to think that uh, maybe he's just being Joe. And because the DH rule is now going to be in both leagues, he's just trying to like work the system and say, yeah, go doing a work. Yeah. Now okay. that, now that we've got this, uh, we need to clarify this. I think Shohei should be able to stay and keep hitting. But you think he's got a point. I don't think he has a good point. I think he has a point. I, I think we know the way the rule is supposed to work, and the way the rule is supposed to work is you can only DH you can only DH for the pitcher. 
in Major League Baseball, which is too bad because, I mean, the Cubs, it'd be nice to DH for Jason Hayward. Um, and if you want that pitcher to hit, then you just you forego the DH for the entire game, which is what they do right now with Shohei. They just don't use the right. DH. So it's not like Shohei is not the DH and the pitcher, which I think is what Joe wants it set. He wants the lineup card. Shohei is zero and Shohei is one. He saw that All-Star game. That's what they did in the All-Star game, right? Wasn't it? That they they made him two different people. That's right. That's, pro- that's probably exactly what Joe wants. Hmm. There you go. This is interesting. Um, it won't affect But it is interesting. It's the kind of thing that makes my brain hurt. Yeah. Um, it's the kind but of baseball I, stuff we missed when they weren't doing Oh, anything. right. Or these inane arguments about arcade... Or, about arbitrary rules. And, and even, you know, the, I, I was prepared to have a, a take on the first part of the, the Joe thing where he. DraftKings, a casino queen sportsbook, is officially live with mobile sports betting in Illinois, just in time to get in on all the college basketball mania. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any tournament team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Go down to Wrigley, sign up in front of the marquee. Go down to the UC, sign up in front of the Jordan statue. Go find a college campus and sign up on the quad. As long as you're in Illinois, you could sign up and bet from anywhere right from the palm of your hand. Head to the DraftKings the Casino Screen Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. It's safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Use promo code POINTLESS. Bet $5 on any college basketball team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code POINTLESS this week at DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. 21 and older, Illinois only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. With, with Trout, where, where Trout comes out and says, oh, yeah, I kind of heard about it on Twitter yesterday that I was moving out of. <laughs> it's like they didn't even talk to him about it. And I think about, I have a lot of respect for Joe, and but I also think he's funny. And But, but sometimes it's like, Joe, did you not remember to talk to Mike Trout? It's not, it's not like you're talking to... Jared Walsh or something. I mean, you, you should probably let him know, have a conversation about this before you take him out of center field. Well, that's the funny thing was Trout even said, he's like, well, someday I'll probably move to a corner. I have nine years left on my contract. Yes, you do. You've played 12 years in the big leagues and you have nine years left on your contract. Sports Info Solutions, which I follow on Twitter, says, well, Mike Trout, the last three years is like 32nd out of 35 guys in center field in defensive runs saved. So it's, I mean, from the, the, you know, the cyberhead uh, point of view, it, it's time. It yeah. is time. And then they probably should have had a chat with him about it yeah. too. But statistically speaking, and I know that, you know, they don't want him to pop a, a calf again, or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. It was a calf muscle. And um, so I, it, it makes sense to move him. And I can see why Trout, you know, especially with the last couple of years being so weird, wants to keep going. I understand all that, but it it does. I can see where Joe had the idea. Yeah, we got to move him. Yeah. But I can't see where Joe didn't have the idea to talk to Trout about it. Yeah, you think you would? You think you'd mention it to the Hall of Fame center fielder that you're considering yes. moving him to a different spot? Uh, I mean, and Joe, like I said, I like Joe, but sometimes it, this is it a very Joe thing. To like do. This has happened, as you know. Actually, a more Joe thing to do would be to start the opener with him in center and then during the first inning stand up on the thing and, like, wave for him to switch spots with right. the left fielder, like, with what? Joe Adele. Just give you two switch and just stay that way forever. Like what? Trout's what? like, does yeah. not compute, what? They're both standing in center field. There's nobody in left. I'm not going <laughs> over there. You go over there. He told me to go here. No, I'm telling you. I'm Mike Trout. He's Joe Madden. You go over there. But it's funny because there's um, which bad need cub 
was it? <laughs> There's so many. Anyway, I'm sure it was Dawson. I don't think it was uh, Cal Daniels. Because I don't think they would have bothered to have the discussion with Cal Daniels. But there was some talk that um, maybe they should put Dawson back in center when his knees really started to act up, which was ridiculous because he couldn't run. But they thought it would be easier on him because there's some theory, like, in center, you never have to worry about, like, slowing down to avoid a wall, except for if you go back. Right. So, like, if he's chasing fly balls, he could he could, he could could throttle down more gradually and take it easier on his knees than if he's in right field and he's all of a sudden got to, like, throw the brakes on because he's going to run into the bricks. Right. So there was, was some thought that center theory. might actually be easier on him, even though there was more ground to cover, might physically be easier on him than a corner. So, yeah, I don't I didn't buy it because you also have to run over. You have to you have to run like three times as much if you're in center because any fly ball, you have to at least you're at least you're either chasing it or backing it up. Right. There's some, you know, if in your right field, if you're in right field, stuff that's hit to left, you don't don't even I mean, you probably should go cover, but you don't have to, like, hustle after it off the bat. There was. um when Jeremy Burnett's played left field in, uh, or played right field in Milwaukee, he played. Um, he stood in the same spot so much that they could not get the grass to grow. So, like by <laughs> by like or mid June, there was you could when he even wasn't on the field, you could see Jeremy's spot. There was just a spot of dead grass where he always was. <laughs> this cracked me up, but he just run out. The other thing he did that, that entertained me was they had this. Um, they gave them a more clever name now. I forget what it is, but they had the super team and they were uh, uh, clearly a bunch of softball players and they would run around. They did some stuff. Well, two of them, one of them in right field, one of them in left field, depending on uh, were available to warm up the outfielder who wasn't playing catch with the center fielder during innings. And Jeremy always had the one and he would throw the ball at her as hard as he could every time. (laughs) And she would never, she never didn't catch it to the point where we, we started to notice it in right field and would like cheer. And then he'd like turn and give us a thumbs up and he'd point at her. Like, isn't she awesome? uh, It was just, it cracked me up that he would just see him whipping the ball as hard as he could. And she wouldn't even flinch. And she, you know, she couldn't throw it back to him as hard as he could, but she had a good arm on her. I have no these idea how great. I got on Jeremy Burnett's playing catch stories. But. Uh, no, but these are great uh, at Jeremy Burnett's anecdotes. I mean, the grass, the bald spot in the grass, and this is why I come here. Yeah. You hear about this stuff. Well, former Cub Jeremy Burnett's good old number three. Jerome the homie. Yeah. Uh, so no. Suzuki, we think there's a chance, uh, and we're sure that – that uh, I, Carlos Correa is not coming – no, we're not sure. Oh. Um, but I, I'm sure, but we're not sure. <laughs> I was always a little dubious of that one. It's like, no, that would take foresight and actual investment. How Two far things. under the luxury tax are they? Uh, they're like $112 million under. They're, mm-hmm. Yes, the, the, the ability to do it is there. The will, I think, is lacking. What if you want them to buy Chelsea? I mean, is the ability still there? If you want them, you know, they need to have cash for that. For that move, they only need four billion dollars to do that. Hmm. Um, no, they're apparently trying to cozy up to uh, Illinois' biggest right-wing billionaire, Ken Griffin. Uh huh. And he, you know, the Ricketts. One of the things they're the kids at least are great at spending other people's money. Dad bought the team for him, and now they're trying to get Ken Griffin to throw in the money and like we'll run it. You just pay and we'll run it. Like, you, I don't want you four morons running anything. <laughs> Stay away from it. Yeah, I don't know if that's the. Um, I hope that's not the reason that they can't keep the payroll up. It's like, guys, how about you do this? How about when you make the budget, you at least budget up to the lowest CBT threshold as available payroll. Now, Jed doesn't right. have to spend it all if he can't find the players he wants at any given time, but maybe put that in the budget because you're in I the was... third largest market in America. You I was own... kidding. But maybe I'm not, you know, maybe it's real. Well, I, I don't, money can't be a problem for that family. The, the old man sold TD Ameritrade for $28 billion. And he didn't get it all, but he got a lot of it. Yeah. They're not running out of money. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, the Korea thing makes sense on a lot. It, the thing about Korea and Suzuki both is they're both 
um, free agents who are young free agents. They're both 27 years old. So even if it's going to take you a couple of years to get yeah. this thing up in the in the super competitive NL Central, <laughs> where, the, right. where the Reds are busy pushing people off the bus as it rolls down the... And the Pirates have no intention of ever adding anybody. Um, it shouldn't be that hard. Even if it takes a couple of years to build up a team where you can win that division, they're going to be 29 years old. Right. So It makes too much sense. They're absolutely the guys you ought to be targeting right now. I mean, that's you should make the exception because, I mean, I get it. It's buying, having to shop in free agency to get your talent is a quick way to a mediocre team that takes you to the poorhouse. You sign a bunch of guys in their early 30s. Their best baseball is ba- almost all of it's behind them. You're paying them for what they've already done. But in the rare instances where a guy gets to free agency young, like Correa, or the guys that they just didn't bother to re-sign of their own, <laughs> mm. um, it, it makes sense to do that. It makes a lot more sense to invest in Carlos Correa than it would to sign a shorter deal with a guy like Nick Castellanos, who really can't play a defensive position, who is a good hitter, but is older. It's like, if you're going to spend $28 million a year on him, spend $32 million on the guy who's really good and plays right. a much more important position. Um, yeah, so it's... I don't know. It's clear that there are there are some really good players who the market just isn't developing for. There was a, a tweet I saw before we hopped on where... A Mets writer claims that um, the only formal offer Chris Bryant has so far is one year, thirty million from the Mets. The Mariners were supposed to make an offer; they haven't, and now you know they may think they filled their needs with the great Jesse Winkler and a Eugenio Suarez. Um, the Giants haven't really shown that much interest, even though they traded for him. So he's apparently talking to the Rockies, but there's no way you're doing anything with that weird organization other than, hey. I got a team here who's offering right. me a contract. If you guys want me, you're going to have to – I just guarantee you Scott Boris is doing the – oh, he can, he's really he's really intrigued by uh, going to Bible study early before batting practice with the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, Scott, he's not going to the Rockies. Um, Isn't it amazing how, uh, you know, Denver is a nice place to visit and presumably live, and, like, Coors Field is a nice – you know, aesthetic, and that the, they're just so backward that that management that yeah. like you wouldn't want to go there right now because you're gonna be you're gonna get your money, but it's gonna be depressing as shit. Yes. Well, and they couldn't even tank right. They they didn't trade Story, they didn't trade John Gray, and they didn't get and they didn't dare offer either one of them. I guess they did offer. Did they offer Story the qualifying offer? They didn't Gray. They I were think- afraid to do it, so they didn't do it. They didn't? I don't think they did. I didn't think they got anything for him when he went to the he went to the Rangers. I right? I'm the baseball writer. I should know the answer to that question. But well, I I'm the one who brought it up. You would have thought I would have known. But yeah, there's just an odd lot. And then there's then there's Correa, who the the Astros are just kind of sitting there, like you know, hey, we're still yeah, here. Yeah, we're still here. You you have all your friends are here. <laughs> You know, Maybe how about just sign for a couple of years then, or we'll give you we'll give you a deal, but we'll give you an opt out, and we won't pay as much as you want. But in two years, you'd be a free agent again. Ken Rosenthal floated the idea that they should just give him a one year equivalent of the Scherzer deal, just pay him forty million dollars for a year, try to win the World Series again, and then let him try free agency again when there's not a lockout right in the middle of the thing. But if you're if you're Carlos, your value should be enhanced by your age, and every year you wait, it goes down that much but then there's a team like the cubs who you're a perfect fit for who you know will chat with you and one of the things the cubs are good at is talking to free agents and never actually making them an offer <laughs> oh we really like you you you'd look great at wrigley all right what are we gonna do oh is it look at the time oh i have to matlock is on <laughs> how to get back to the room it's like ah oh, okay great do you think that's how it's, it could go with Jed and Suzuki? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> whoo! I didn't realize it was so late. Uh, it's Jed, it's 9.30. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, yeah. <sighs> Traffic was murder coming over here. Uh, we're in the 
we're actually eating uh, in the restaurant in the ho- in a hotel that you were staying at. Well, the elevator was slow. Gotta go. I can see why um, people might be hesitant to give a bunch of years to Correa because he he has had back trouble. Yeah, and that is always an alarm. Um, but he seemed to be fine last year, and even. Like we talk about how good Simmons is, nobody had a better year according to the the metrics on defense at short than Correa. Yeah, and this is a as a, a complete player as we thought he would be when he was coming up. So this back thing is like the only thing to me that is, is a red flag. Yeah, well, the Rangers didn't seem to worry about somebody's back when they gave Corey Seager three hundred twenty five million dollars. Right. I mean, and there's a guy who <laughs> the Cubs famously. Uh, the year they drafted Albert Elmora with the sixth pick, Seeger was really high on their list, and Theo said, supposedly, oh, he's too tall to play shortstop. Didn't Cal Ripken dispel all that? Yeah. Oh, they were that and it was it was based on the whole idea that his back would go out from having to bend over to feel a ground ball. <laughs> and then I'm sure every time he'd end up on the DL with a bad back, Theo would be like, see? That's right. <laughs> like what I did. And they're like, yeah. Um, he's, he's World Series' most valuable player. Oh, well, other than that. Too tall, though. You mentioned uh, Bryant. Was there anything before he left? Was there an injury or something where then he went to the Giants? And, it, you know, he didn't. It's like he had a, a good first week or first day or something. And then it was like kind of boring. Yeah, he did and not I, exactly light the world on fire for the Giants. He was good. And he was actually right. pretty good in that. He was he was very good, actually, in the Dodgers series. Um. No, I mean, other than his, he's a guy, I mean, I love that guy. He's one of my favorite Cubs of all time. He was also one of those guys who, if he ever slid for anything, you immediately, you held your breath and watched the giraffe try to get back to its feet. And you're like, is he okay? Because he famously, like, torpedoed an entire season by miss, by missing his steps and tripping over first base in Cincinnati. Yeah. And he hurt his shoulder, and he was screwed for the whole rest of the year. Um, I don't think he was... I don't think he was injured. The, one of the things the Giants were less than impressed about was, you know, they got him with this idea that he could play all these positions. Right. And when they first got him, Evan Longoria was on the disabled list, so he played a lot of third, and he's fine at third. And then they, when Longoria came back, they were all excited to put him in the outfield. And they, by their metrics, he was not a very good defensive outfielder. But it's also like, all right, would you guys look at your park? Your right field is the most impossible right field to play in the sure. world for a guy who was really – has, he's kind of a self-taught outfielder. <laughs> like the Cubs just <laughs> threw him out there, and he's like, "I'll figure it out," and he did. Um, he could hand he he could easily play all three outfield spots at Wrigley. I mean, he played he played a more than passable center in Wrigley because it's not sure. that big. Uh, but the Giants apparently thought, eh, you know, he's his the position versus versatility thing is going to be a little less useful for us. And then even the other parks in the West. If, if he's going to be our everyday, like he couldn't be an everyday center fielder for the Giants because you're not going to want him to play center field in Colorado. You're not going to want him to play center field in Dodger Stadium. And you're not going to want him, he could probably handle it in Petco. Um, so I think that was part of it. Um, but I also kind of think that they, I got the feeling that Farhan looked at it as we're going to just get the best, hopefully three months out of him possible. And then I'll just go find another interchangeable, you know, scrap heap outfielder. I'll go find another Mike Yastrzemski that'll get us through the first three months next year. And then at the trade deadline, we'll look and see if there's somebody. I just get the feeling that even if Brian had played really well for them, that that wasn't like their master plan mm-hmm. was to keep him. I don't know that they ever really thought that that was, you know, well, we're gonna now we're going to sign him for eight years. It just doesn't feel like a very Giants thing to do yeah i and i think now thinking back to it when he started out okay and everybody was in love we had a home, all the cubs hit home runs in their first game rizzo yes. Baez, and yes. uh and bryant all hit a homer in their first game it's in the agreement um but we were also thinking like giants having this magical year if that had continued and they had won the world series and bryant was a reason why and then you would have that leverage, that pressure to sign him. Then maybe it would have happened, even with the lockout. But since all that kind of crapped out, yeah. 
and he wasn't great, that sort of, you know, it didn't well, seem like a thing that they would want to do. I mean, but the irony could be that if if his market doesn't really develop, then you, I could see the Giants slide back in. Mm-hmm. Like, if all of a sudden they feel like his price has come to where they, because whatever Farhan and his little spreadsheet considers value, if he slips into that range, they'll sign him. Because they, I mean, I, they gave, they gave him Rodan... 22. I guess he gets he gets all 22 this year and then he gets like his um his option to leave kicks in at 110 innings. Hmm. Um I think if he plays less, I don't maybe it's a mutual option and it kicks in at 110. Well, that's that doesn't make any sense. There's a mutual yeah, option. It's going to kick in for one side. I think it's for him, right? It's it was yes. basically if you pitch well, you can go be a free agent again. Right. But they've got money, you know. Um, they didn't re-sign Gossman. Buster retired. They weren't up against the luxury tax even last year anyway. No, they weren't. Uh, the only guy they really pay right now is Longoria, which doesn't make any sense. But um, <laughs> So they could easily – I mean, they've got, they've got payroll room for him. And my guess is they'll – one of these free agents that is kind of the guy when the music stops doesn't have a chair, the Giants will grab him. And just right. figure out their lineup around them. And it could be him. It might be Castellanos. Um, although I get the feeling with them, they don't want to get, they don't want to get handcuffed with the guy they have to DH. Right. Um, some teams don't care. The Giants seem like a team that wants to be able to. I mean, Gabe changes the lineup every day, no matter what. He's just yeah. compelled to do it. He can't, you know, leave it alone. So. And isn't it funny? How we, you know, we talk about these free agents not getting offers and the Reds selling everybody. That the, you know, the lockout happened and none of that's the kind of stuff that was going on already. Yeah, and none of it's changed. Nope. And it's the system is still the same way it was. And is, is it great that we had the lockout? The one of the, one of the things I found a little troubling about the lockout was, um, you know, all along I I will admit that I didn't bother to. I don't even know how I would have found this out, but. I remembered from the when the NFL players signed their most recent CBA that when it came when it came time for the players to vote, it was like you expect. All the players cast ballots. If once you got to one more than half, it passed. If you couldn't get to that, it tanked. And um, I thought that's how the baseball. One. I thought that's how they voted. There's 1,200 members, and I thought you put it out for the vote. Every team rep get, you know, they they get on a Zoom call or they get on a conference call, and it's like, is that who's voting no? And if nobody says no, then it's 40 nothing. If a few people say no, then they write that down. Um, and when I thought that was the case, I kept thinking, if I were the owners, the thing I would just, the biggest thing I would put in in this thing is the is a I would just give them a big bump to the minimum salary. And then I would screw them on everything else <laughs> and put the pressure on them to take it to a vote because that's, that's exactly what the NFL owners did. The NFL owners put a bunch of, you know, a bunch of stuff in that the really well-paid NFL players all hated. But then they finally gave a nice big increase to the minimum salary. And once it went to a vote, of course it's going to pass because just like in baseball, it's like sixty percent of the league is on the minimum salary, and those guys right. are like, "Yeah, give me the raise. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna play. I'm not gonna play eight years. Give me my raise <laughs> right. this year. I need it right now." It turns out that's not how they vote in mm-hmm. baseball. I didn't realize this. In baseball, is a convoluted thing. It's like an electoral college where <laughs> the eight executive com- committee members had an, had an individual vote, and then the thirty teams, it was a majority just within that team. Right. And so with the and we found out we got to do the math real quick because the executive committee all voted against it. So it was already right. 08 before it ever started. Yes. And then it's like, well, we have to get 20. Once you get to 20 teams, if they say yes, then it's going to pass. And so on Twitter, John Greenberg and Eno Saris were having a chat and I jumped into it because were, <laughs> um, John was asking, how how did the free agents vote? They don't get a vote. And Eno's like, oh, I don't know. I got to find out. So Eno contacted a free agent who said, I think my old player rep is the person I contact. 
And he, he tweeted that after the deadline to cast the votes. And I'm like, to me, this is a problem. That guy didn't know who to contact, and now he can't. Right. Uh, because that's that was 25% of the union were free mm-hmm. agents. And you're right. They didn't get to vote on the thing that affected them right now more than anybody. They're the ones, the immediate effect of this new CBA is being felt right now. Right. And those almost 300 people didn't get any say in what and how it is. It was just insane to me. And I saw uh, somebody follow, follow up with that. I don't remember who, probably Ken Rosenthal or something. It's like, yeah, maybe that'll be part of a future uh, agreement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> would you write that down? That's a good, that's a good note for next. Oh, time. that's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> so for, for as much as we, um, you know, like to give the, uh, the, the baseball players have the good union and the football players have the bad union. This is a, like a big thing that they don't, that they kind of overlooked. Yes. Like, oops. Oh, we didn't think of that. Uh, um, yeah, it's, and then I, I just assume the executive committee vote was like, that was a protest vote. Right. Like they knew once it went to the players, because I saw it as soon as I saw on Twitter that it was, I was out running errands and I looked and saw that it had gone to a vote. I said, oh, well, this will pass. There's no way it won't. And then as I started to see the particulars of how they vote, I got a little more concerned. But I, those eight who had been, you know, basically screaming and the, the owners have been saying nasty things to them and they were screaming and yelling for two weeks. They're like, F you, we're voting against it, knowing that. They weren't gonna. It wasn't. Gonna, they weren't gonna stop it. But they had. Uh, they their voice was heard. Apparently. Um. But yeah, it's that one of the one of the teams that gets affected by the new CBA. Um, I I feel like if you're if you're a Brewer fan, you feel like it, the whole CBA was written with you in mind in a yeah. in the wrong way. You know, one of the things the Brewers and Dodgers both do, but the Brewers depend on it more than the Dodgers, which is just constantly shuttling pitchers from AAA to the big leagues. And now they're like, okay, you can do that five times. That's it. You can't option somebody more than five times. And right. poor Craig Council is like, that's my whole thing. What right. am I supposed to do? And then I love they kept giving the example of. Um, the arbitration bonus pool and who it would impact the most. And the person who impact the most literally was Corbin Burns. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, look how much Corbin Burns would make with this in place. He he's currently is, is scheduled to make $680,000, but with this, he will make $6.4 million. <laughs> Poor little David Stearns is like <laughs> crawling out from under his desk. It's like you know we used to count on the young players all being being really good, and then us not having to pay them. And now you're telling right. us we're going to have to pay them. It's just not a whole shtick. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think I've run out of stuff. That's okay. I have. I could talk longer, but I also have work, so. Um, well, but this was fun. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you and it was funny. I was telling, um, so our mutual friend, I had Kevin Kaduk on the pod yep. last week because he was launching his new, the, the new venture. He's part of Chuggo in Chicago. And, um, <laughs> I was telling him before we went on that I said, I, I, I gotta have, I gotta have Dave on again. Um, because his, the podcast, when I did it to, with him two years ago is the most listened to podcast I've ever had. What? Yes. That's exactly what Kevin said. I said, well, there is, there was a, (laughs) there was one other circumstance that played into it. I don't know if you remember. It was the, it was the day after I, the athletic told me I had to go home. Oh, that's right. And so we had a lot of people who were very interested in hearing my explanation as to why uh, I wasn't at the athletic game. Okay. But also it was a good podcast because I could tell because I can I can see if the listenership drops off. Right. That was like the first ten minutes was you listen, humoring me and letting me tell the story, yeah. and then people still stuck around till the end. So we kept. Well, the good. Audience. That makes me feel good. Yes, it does. 
So thank you, Andy, for having me on again. Yeah. So we will do that. We will do this again. All right. I'll be ready. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. All right. I'm going to stop this. Stick around for just a second. Okay. Many of us have herpes. 